You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks, going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast as we take you inside what's happening with the team this week, heading into a week four matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the team, alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hello, Jen. How are you? Hello, John. I am well. I'm so much better. My weeks are so much more enjoyable after a win. Exactly. It's just more fun. And we'll get into this more, but I'm... What makes it more encouraging isn't just that they won, it's how they won. Exactly. It was, they played the way they want to play football. And Ex- again, we'll get more into it. But yeah. That's, that's the thing that gives me the best feeling coming out of that game. I would absolutely agree on that one. And knowing that there was potential to do that and to see them turn the corner almost play by play, at least from my vantage point on the sidelines, where you could see their reaction and read their body language, it was pretty significant in a number of different ways. And it looks like the Seahawks could be getting some reinforcements this week. Let's let's mention kind of the reinforcements and then talk about how that fits into what we saw last week and what we've got going forward. It looks like Justin Britt will be back at center. He should be back. And, you know, the fact that he was active as kind of the emergency backup at center is a good sign that, you know, nothing too serious was going on. He practiced fully on Wednesday, which is obviously a great sign. So, should have him back, although let's give a little shout-out to Joey Hunt. Oh, doing, doing a heck of a job. Fantastic job. And then the other big one, we got to wait and see, uh, but Doug Baldwin is back, at least practicing limited on Wednesday, so he's got a shot as well, which would be a big boost for the offense for sure. Yes, and Doug wants to be on the field. The team wants to make sure that they do what's smart for Doug. Remember, that was a strained MCL that he suffered in week one. Kind of the general estimates on an injury like that is two to four weeks. He is right now at about week three. So it would Except that he came back and played in that game. Which, okay, you know. so that's true. Because <laughs> that's Doug Baldwin for you. That it, you know. it is. And it they is. had to tell no, you're done. They had to kind of tell him. Yes. Get off the which field. he doesn't like very much. But as I've no. discussed with him, come on, Doug. You, we kind of need to save our bullets for a little yeah. bit later on in the year. There's you know a lot of I mean? games. There, there's a lot that's going on there. So that's good news. Uh it does not look like C.J. Procise has made a whole lot of progress. That was a little bit of a surprise. When the inactives came out, I thought that he was a healthy scratch. As it turned out, he had something that came up during warm-up, so he was out of the game. Pete calls it a core injury and said that he has not made a whole lot of progress. I would be surprised if we saw C.J. in the running back group on Sunday. And it looks like Ethan Posick not ready, and it's okay they don't need to rush him back based on what they saw from the offensive line. Exactly. We we mentioned Joe Hen already, but the other guy filling in was J.R. Sweezy has been starting at right guard, but with D.J. Fluker coming back from the hamstring injury, they were able to move Sweezy over to left guard. A position, by the way, he has never played in a How game. How about that? Ever. So that, you know, that... You look at that on paper, and you're like, oh, geez, you know, they've got they, the whole interior line is different. You got a new starter at center, your new guy coming in at right guard, you're moving your right guard to left guard. It looked really good. Excuse me. It looked really good for them. And it makes you feel good about kind of both the depth and just kind of the direction that group is going. And as Pete Carroll said, you don't need to rush Ethan Posick back at this point. You know, even if he's able to go and he's active, you know, they, they want to they want to get a look even before any injuries cre- crept up when they brought Sweezy in. 
they talked about him potentially competing for a starting job, so they want to look at him, get a, get a feel for what they have there. Yeah, before we continue with this part of the conversation, because this is a big topic this week on the Seahawks Insider Podcast, I just want to mention quickly that K.J. Wright, they actually had to slow him down a little bit. K.J. saying he was pushing himself pretty hard to come back after having that knee surgery, so they've slowed him down a little bit. We're not going to see him on the field this week. No timeline for his return. And Deion Jordan, what we thought was a hand or a wrist injury, at least from our vantage point in the game on Sunday and mine on the sidelines. It is not. Pete said that it's a core injury. We're waiting to see what happens with Dion. So that kind of wraps up all of our injuries and what we could expect. Let's get back to the offensive line here. And there's a lot of different pieces at play. And I think this is the thing that makes fans feel most secure. After years or months or weeks or however long you want to frame it out for of we need a better offensive line, I think you saw the offensive line that they have been struggling to get for a period of time. Yeah, and it's been interesting. The first two games, the sack numbers look really bad, and when you see that, you think, oh, the line played terrible. But if you kind of look at the game play-by-play, there's a lot of plays where that group looked good, that Russell Wilson had a clean pocket, and then some plays, whether it was a line or Russell Wilson or a tight end or a running back, something something went wrong, there was a sack, and there are way too many of them for a lot of reasons. What we saw on Sunday was kind of that group taking the bits and pieces of good play we'd seen and doing it for a game where they didn't give up a sack until the middle of the third quarter. They only gave up two in the game, and one was a Russell Wilson scrambling zero-yard sack. Probably as big as anything, one penalty on that group the whole game, which you you combine that with no sacks, no penalties. You don't have first and 20, second and 17, all those situations where the drive's kind of dead before it starts. And that was one of the things that allowed them to run the ball as many times as they did. You can say that there is a commitment to running the ball every week, but there are game scenarios that makes it impossible. And if you have penalties anywhere on the offense and you're first and 20 before you even get going on a drive, you can't run the ball nearly 40 times during the course of the game. Yeah, and that's where we hear the coaches talk about over and over again of you got to stay on schedule. And when you do that, you know, maybe you'll have second six and you can run it or pass it out of that down credibly and it can work for you. So yeah, it's, you know, if they, they've been saying this all along and then we saw it, like, look, the offense wasn't incredible. They didn't run the ball six yards of carry or anything, but you just don't have those negative plays. That's a huge deal. It is also a huge confidence boost. Ask any one of those guys on the offensive line, and they will say that, A, they asked to run the ball. They lobbied for this. They love it. It it is easier than pass blocking. I mean, let's just be clear. It is easier to go straight forward and power drive and pile drive somebody Mm. into the ground than it is to stand there and try to hold your ground for six, seven seconds. But it's also them coming together as a unit. And when you talk to DJ Fluker after the game and he starts talking about the number of stunts that Dallas does and that essentially Dallas just stopped doing anything across the defensive line because the Seahawks had shut them down every time. That's huge going into the games that are coming up. Exactly, because, I mean, we saw what, again, we see what a dangerous pass rush can do when it's effective. And then we saw the flip side of that. When you neutralize it, it just changes everything. And. Again, let's go back to the changes they made. When you're facing a line that stunts like that, that does different things, and one of the things the Seahawks did offensively that they said really helped them was change tempo up. Those are two very hard things to deal with with changes on your line, especially at center. So 
to be able to a do your tempo stuff and b handle all those stunts with a backup center and some changes at guard that's a big deal and pointing out going into this game against arizona i know a lot of folks don't know steve wilkes the head coach for the cardinals they know his defense though they know his defense because it comes from carolina the panthers are known for their exotic looks on defense i'm not saying that dallas runs the same looks but it, I think it is significant that they had their week three game, and now you can kind of take some of that into week four because who knows what that Cardinals defense is going to throw at them. Exactly. I mean, they'll do a lot of different things, a lot of pressures. And, you know, one good thing is that even though they're not in the Seahawks division, they've played Carolina a ton over the yes. years. So they know a Steve Wilkes defense, and they'll they'll have a feel for what's coming. Yeah, in addition, they know that they are going to bring pressure against Russell Wilson. All of this is coming together because they have racked up 14 sacks against the Seahawks in the last three games. And the last time the Seahawks played in Arizona, Russ got sacked five times all by five different defenders. So this is, again, building blocks for something that is bigger. Uh, I know that fans have heard talk of J.R. Sweezy and D.J. Fluker, and it doesn't matter how many times you say it, D.J. Fluker is the largest human being I've ever seen in just a very <laughs> unique way. Yes. And there is something about the way he plays that A, settles down the right side of that line, as in Jermaine Effetti, but B, also pumps everybody else up, and, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, Pete Carroll talked about it. He talked about his spirit and kind of just the the attitude he brings to that line, just his toughness. But then everyone also talks about him being a pretty funny, goofy guy. So there's just, there's something about him that seems to be pretty infectious in that group. And as uh, Mike Solari famously called it as a uh, pure ass attitude, I believe it oh. was, or was it tough ass attitude that so, something along those something lines, along and those lines. I need a shirt yes. that says that. And if you, and, and I told Fluker about it at one point and he loved it. He thought that was just a perfect description. So, uh, yeah, he's he brings something special beyond just kind of the physical ability. He is uh, he is pretty funny. So when he gets on our flights, he actually gets kind of a row of seats to himself because he is a large man. He has had some knee problems, so he needs to prop up his leg. You know, quite often that that's fine. Uh, so th he has a, a special section on the on the row reserved for him. Only it says Danny Fluker instead of DJ Fluker. So, we so were, now we know what DJ says. So for? we were or getting they on the plane. <laughs> no, it is. So we were getting on the plane a couple of weeks ago, and one of the rookies comes by, and he's he's talking to Danny, who happens to be standing in front of me, and he goes, "Hey, is your name Danny?" And DJ looked at him, and he goes, "That's DJ to you, rookie." <laughs> and he, the rookie goes, "I'm sorry, it just says Danny on this." And I thought maybe they got the name wrong. He goes, "It's DJ." <laughs> And he said it enough with a smile on his face, but also the, yeah, we're, we're going to nip that one yeah. in the bud. So if I were you, John, Don't I call him Danny. would not call him I, Danny. I'm good calling him DJ. W and, and to confirm, I did check it. It's pure, it is pure ass attitude was the Mike Solari. That phrase. is a, yeah. yeah, that's one that we absolutely need to get right on that one. Yes. Somebody else who has that attitude, I would say, is Chris Carson. And I know that when you take a look at the rush yards per carry or the yards per carry, they're not overwhelming. But what I would say is this. He is fighting through and getting those extra yards after contact that are necessary to do what they did in the fourth quarter and getting those one and two yard runs early. Exactly. And you know what? Obviously, you would love to average five yards a carry, but sometimes three yards a carry can be really effective because if you're, you know, we saw it. If you're, even though sometimes you're only getting two, three yards, 
if you're getting to third and five instead of third and long, that's a lot more manageable. And we saw the Seahawks have a lot of success on third down, especially until the game got late and it was more just running to kill the clock. Right. But, you know, they when they were kind of building that lead in the first half, they were six of nine on third down at one point, which after the first two weeks when you're, you know, somewhere around 24 percent, that's a big deal. Yeah, they were 44% on Sunday. So, again, another step forward. And when people ask, why isn't Rashad Penny getting more opportunities? You know, he was the first-round draft pick, and, oh, he doesn't have the numbers, and, you know, what's wrong with Rashad Penny? Here's what I would say. He's a rookie. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but there's a number of times where you can watch from the sidelines, and I've seen this play out over a number of years, where the rookie thinks if they kick it outside, there's a lane because they've always done that in college. It and what you always see, work the same. And what you saw Penny do a couple of times during the game is try to kick it outside and realize that there's a wall of defenders waiting for you to do that. And part of that, it has nothing to do with anything other than experience. you got to trust what's blocked in front of you. It will happen. He will be fine. Just let him kind of come along in the process. Yeah, and, I, you know, we're not going to see Chris Carson carry the ball 32 times very often. So... You know, this week, if the Seahawks have success and run the ball, roughly the same, I think, that 38 carries plus a kneel down. If you're getting 38 carries this week, I guarantee you Rashad Penny is going to have a lot more than he did last week because you're not going to – that that was an exception, not the rule, that you have your starting running back carry the ball 32 times. Also, you're probably going to have a few more opportunities to throw it down the field. Again, just kind of based on what Arizona has done – there has been a lot of personnel changes. And from week to week, Wilkes has shown that he's not afraid to bench starters. In fact, Hassan Reddick and Dayon Buchanan, both of those guys were starters. Both of them are former first-round draft picks, and they played a combined five snaps on defense last week. It looks like you're going to have uh, Benny Benwickery. Is that how you say it? From Carolina. Sure. I'll yep, go with that. Is going to be one of your starting corners this week. He has not been starting the last couple of weeks. So I would think, of course, the Seahawks always want to establish the run. It would not surprise me to see them taking a few more shots downfield just based on personnel this week. Yeah. And, you know, to the to the changes that you mentioned, I think what we're seeing is a new head coach coming in and kind of trying to establish his own defense, his own team, his own culture. And sometimes guys, not that those guys won't be back in the line, but sometimes guys who thrived under an old coach, you know, need a little time to get used to the new coach, the new defense, everything else. So, yeah, you know, this offense loves, you know, we talk about running the ball first, but another big part of what Pete Carroll wants an offense to be is explosive. So we'll see them take some shots. Yeah. Uh, defense has certainly taken their shots in the form of getting turnovers, getting to the quarterback. Boy, that Seahawks defense played about as good as I've seen in not just this season, but if you go back even some games into last year. Yeah, I mean, it was a really impressive performance. I know Dallas has had some struggles on offense, but – to, to get the three takeaways, you you know you didn't really give up a lot of big plays. There were some big runs, but a lot of those came late when you know most teams aren't running the ball because they're down two scores. So it's you know there's a lot of really encouraging signs. I know there are a lot of questions about that side of the ball with guys who had moved on. There's been some injuries, so people worried about the defense. But that unit really, you go back you know to the beginning of the Bears game. The Bears opened with that one long drive because of some penalties, but since that drive. It's been almost two full games of really outstanding play. Yeah, the Seahawks allowing the Cowboys to convert on just three of their 13 third-down opportunities, limited them to 303 total yards. And, you know, 
I think when you look on paper at Arizona, I'm hesitant to say this because we all know that anything can happen on game day, and we have seen some crazy things happen when we play in Arizona in particularly. However, when you look at what the Seahawks defense has done last week and the week before, and you consider that Arizona is averaging 6.7 points a game, they have not only a starting quarterback that's a rookie, their center's a rookie, and they have four total rookies starting on offense. It seems like this could be a big day. Yeah, you would hope so if you're the Seahawks defense. I, I guess the one thing you have to be a little cautious of is most of those pretty bad offensive numbers, the Cardinals rank 32nd in just about every major offensive category. Most of those happened before Josh Rosen was named quarterback. So you kind of have this wild card of you don't have a lot of tape of them. You don't know. You know, Pete Carroll talked about that. You got to go back and look at even some of what he did at UCLA. You're yep. looking at preseason. So um, I I really like the Seahawks defense in this matchup, but you just never know exactly how that offense is going to change. They still have one of the best running backs in the league and David Johnson, who hasn't really gotten going the way they want so far, but maybe a new quarterback, maybe just more of an emphasis on him. They could try to get him going more. So I, you know, this strikes me as a kind of game, maybe just as a caution to fans. Yes. You could see Arizona come out and look good on a first drive. Yes. They might throw some things at the Seahawks they have not seen. And we've seen this over the years. The Seahawks defense tends to be very good at adjusting. So don't panic if the Cardinals march down the field with a rookie quarterback and have a good opening drive. I have a hunch once it kind of the Seahawks feel out what the Cardinals are trying yes. to do, they'll be they'll be in good shape. Yeah, I would think so. And it's interesting because you're right. You don't know what Josh Rosen is going to do. But if you read the stuff coming out of Arizona, their fans are really uh, asking for a proper offensive line. They don't think the offensive line is very good, which had me chuckling because it's That's a conversation that is happening. 30 fan bases yeah, a year exactly. in the NFL. So like, okay. there's not a lot. You, yeah, it's rare to find true. an NFL fan who will be like, you know what? I love our we offensive line. We have a great line. offensive We're in great line. Shape. I know everybody on our offensive line. Yeah, but you know what? Even then, getting the ball to David Johnson, that's been a tough one. He's got 116 total yards through three games. His longest run of the year has been 11. Now, I don't want to say that to jinx anybody because truly that could be his only outlet on Sunday, to be quite honest. But he has not looked like the same back that the Seahawks have faced a number of times. No. And, and you know, again, they're, they're going to try to get him going, but – when we've talked over the years about these dual threat backs, you know, the guys they have in Atlanta are a good example. Obviously, David Johnson is one. Because you have some really good linebackers on the Seahawks defense led by, you know, arguably the best in the NFL and Bobby Wagner, the Seahawks tend to fare pretty well in those yes. matchups. Yeah, and they just had a guy who was trying to do that for Dallas last week. So yeah. while he did get total yards, the end of the game – it wasn't enough for Zeke to be the difference maker for the Cowboys last week. So, uh, And they have played David Johnson enough to know, as Bobby said earlier this week, to kind of know what he's going to do against you. you. You can go in there with a game plan that if he's already, you know, deked you one way or juked you out this way, he's probably going to try a different way to get you this time, and you can be somewhat prepared for that. So there you go. There you have it. And I think that's probably all we really need to say about this matchup for this week. Sure. Right. Right, yeah. I'm good. Well, good. I'm, We're going to go down to the desert. We're going to have some warm gonna weather hot. and I'm some glad sunshine. I'm glad they got a roof on that thing. 
It is. That's exactly what people in the Pacific Northwest want hey, to hear. Hey, you know what? It's going to be warm and sunny. I'll, I'll, I'll own that. <laughs> you don't have to stand on the sidelines the whole game I either. I sure don't. I'll be in that press box. It's oh. lovely. And you will be doing all the writing and covering it from all angles on Seahawks.com. Make sure that you catch up with everything John Boyle has for you during the course of the week. You can listen to the Seahawks broadcast on the Seahawks Radio Network. That's where you will find me. And, of course, you'll find both of us back here next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. Mm-hmm.